The Racing Pulse Hong Kong Racing Watch. Hutchies Honkers with Clint Hutchison. Well, we're going to look at tonight at Happy Valley, but also look back at the Chartier meeting from last Sunday because there's a bit of action there that's going to steer us a bit towards the international meeting with the lucky Swainesses and where's California Spangle at and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm not even sure if Hutchie's in Hong Kong at the moment. How are you, Hutchie? No, no, I'm here. I'm uh, still in Melbourne, Maddie. So, um, no, I watched it with interest on the weekend. It was a great meeting. And, yeah, there was a couple of nice performances and there were a couple of disappointments. Luck, uh, let's talk about Lucky Swainess and then California Spangle. He, he's, he's getting up there as one of the great Hong Kong sprinters, Lucky Swainess, isn't he? Yes, he is, but he's not where he was. Um, just looking at how the sort of race faded and where he was at sort of probably 12 months ago, if not a touch longer um, or further back, he... He won on the weekend, but it was more workmanlike than impressive. I appreciate they didn't go, you know, breakneck speed. But, um, you know, I think if he had been in the form he was probably 12 months ago, he would have won that by a length or two. So he's still a little bit off his best. He he gets a couple of kilos uh, more relief when they go towards the the main event in a couple of weeks' time or a few weeks' time. But um, he's going to need to lift off that. He only got there by a small margin and... He just hasn't quite come back as well this season, I don't think, at this point. But he's at least headed in the right direction. Could the same be said of old mate Spangler? Or was he a hard luck story? Or is he is he just sort of wavering a bit, California Spangle? Oh, it was a messy race, that uh, that mile race. They they overdid it early, really. Um, he, he was disappointing. But, look, um, just tactically, they, they really rolled along at a pretty good speed on and off early. And then... It set up nicely for those who sat out of that early pressure and beauty eternal. He stood up. Uh, it was a much better run from him, no doubt, and um, he needed to. So he's put himself in the frame as a, a definite chance, I suppose, in the mile. Um, but beauty joy is a line that you can take through. Beauty joy has been a couple of lengths off the likes of Golden 60, no matter how the race has run, uh, generally speaking. So that that's a little concern. With regard to California Spangler, he deserves another chance. I'm not sure who'll ride him on the big day, but uh, no doubt there'll be a few jockeys ringing for the ride because it didn't go to plan there on the weekend. And, of course, Hugh Bowman was on him when he won first up when he gave a similar field all weight and beat them quite comfortably. So I wouldn't be reading too much into his performance. I think he can bounce back. Um, Voyage Bubble also had excuses. He sort of worked a bit early and he was fresh up, so he'll improve. But, no, the... I don't think um, Golden 60 sitting in his box will be too worried about him anyway. Well, if he wins in a few weeks' time, he's the greatest ever Hong Kong horse. I'd say clearly, but you'd know better than I would. I think if he does that, then there's no argument at all. And the evidence is that he's back and there's plenty of fuel in the tank and that he's still going to be a force. What I'm interested in is the Japanese. Any indication yet about the strength of the Japanese contingent? Because they're going to... You know, if Lucky Swainess is wavering, they'll, they'll nail him in the sprint. You know, if um, if Golden 60 and Beauty Eternal and Beauty Joy are, are vulnerable, it'll be at the hands of the Japanese, you'd imagine. What, any indication yet as to what might be coming from Japan? They'll be well represented. There's a lot of it there. I think in the next, uh, well, it must be today, or it might have come out late last night, I'm not sure, that the, the sort of the short list of who will be accepting the invitation, but they, they're going to be well represented in all their races, the, the Japanese, that's for sure. Um, it's a bit of a shame, Maddie, that they didn't get uh, some representation probably from Australian sprinting ranks because, mm. you know, I feel like if Lucky Swainess is in that sort of form, he's, he's vulnerable. He, he, he wouldn't have been last year. Of course, he was luckless in the race. But 
you know, he's um, he's not where he was. That's not to say he won't get there again, but it might have been a year where they could have travelled over. I mean, we've got we're deep in the sprint ranks, and yeah, we wouldn't have had to take a top liner over, but I felt we could have probably taken something else over and, and been pretty competitive in the sprint this year. The mile's going to be tough. Romantic worry. You'd imagine the Cup's going to run a race, but he's also been here, so something new for him. And the Vars will be going uh, overseas again somewhere. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But the Cup trial was also run and won by Straight Aaron, who, who won nicely. But the race, yeah, once again, I don't think that's sort of strong international uh, Group 1 form. They'll have the home ground advantage. And he's a nice horse, Straight Aaron, don't get me wrong. But he's going to have to find a, a fair bit off that if he's going to be competitive again. I know what you mean about an Australian sprinter be nice if one was there to sort of seize on the, the weaknesses of Lucky Swain S and, and so on and Wellington and whatever, but I, I, I'm trying to work out what that sprinter might have been, but I know the category you're talking about, like, would, would have to, wouldn't, would the sort of horse that could be three lengths off him in an Everest, like, even a, be lovely to see an In Secret or something up there, wouldn't it? Yeah, an In Secret, um, no doubt would have run well, um, for sure, and look, I know, I heard earlier you were talking about Clint McDonald going to Dubai with Star Patrol, now he's another Mm. probably, what, a couple of lengths off them. But he was just a bit too disappointing on that last run and that hot pace uh, in the final of in the champion sprint there. So I can understand him not going because you don't want to go off the back of that run. If he was beaten two or three lengths, I, I would have thought you'd have to consider it. But, um, yeah, an in-secret, something, something like that. Private Eye would have been a nice contender, something like Private yeah. Eye. Mm. Yeah, mm. well, he's anyway. well, on a great turn of foot. But anyway, we, uh, we digress, and, and unfortunately there isn't that representation. But... Maybe maybe going forward there will be certainly some options for them. What about tonight? Uh, I'm a bit cast, to be perfectly honest, so no pressure. No, but is, is, there, is that anything new? Oh, no, that's unnecessary. Like, I'm, I don't want to be cast and depressed at the same time. <laughs> but well, no pressure, but have you got a parlay, a win-win-win you know, parlay sort I've of thing? I've got a winning parlay for you. I've got a right. winning parlay for you. I had to build a bank because I know you need it. I know he's probably struggling for a feed there at Cranbourne in, uh, in Silks this morning, so uh, hopefully they look after you. But the brother-in-law's got a couple of good chances tonight. That's I think, think he can win the opening race from Charming Steed. It's a thin race. He's $4.70 on the tote. Look, he, he's, not a, he's not a prolific winner. He's only won one, but um, it's a very weak race. He's well-drawn. He, he should land right on speed. Where the rail is tonight, it won't be a bad spot to be. And I think Charming Steed's the first leg of your parlay, so... Hopefully you can get around that sort of four dollars seventy mark, and uh, he'll he'll run a good race for you. And the other one is a bit shorter, unfortunately, but um, he should be hard to beat. It's a horse by the name of M Unicorn, race three, number eight. Um, look, he won really well for for Castor first up. He sat back, round them up, ran time, put up a margin, and then he struck a wet track last start. And he the wheels were just spinning a little bit, and it was a bit unusual to get a wet track like that at this time of year. Good speed in the event. He's trialled since his uh, wet track failure. Back on top of the ground tonight. The conditions will be good. And uh, he'll be one of the shorter price favourites to go around on the night. He's about 220 at the moment. But he should be hard to beat. Charming Steed. Oh, sorry. I'm looking at the current tote pool. And it was 110 to 1, but that's just the current tote pool. So. No, it's $4.70 so <laughs> yeah. on Hong Kong oh. tote. There's uh, 1.3 million Hong Kong. So a couple of hundred, well, 250,000 Aussie in the pool at the moment. And He's about four dollars seventy, and he'll, he'll probably be around four dollars, I think, because, like I said, he's not a prolific winner. It's a 
it's a sort of field where uh, you'd be expecting him to be in the market and he hasn't got a fashionable rider on him. So um, that's probably why you're getting a point or two better than what he should be. If Zach Clayton was on him, he'd be uh, lower than $3. Did you have a response or a thought about the the big story today about the VRC applying to, to go again in the spring after... Um, Thousand Guineas Day on, on the date that currently houses the Cranbourne Cup? No, oh, I leave all the race planning and that for the people that are employed to do it. I, I'm, yeah, I mean, look, I love going to headquarters. I know that. I'm um, not sure what the detail is. I suppose that's what you need to know. And, and you, as I heard Matty earlier say, you know, when, when you move something, you've got to sort of it takes away from something else. So I think it all has to be weighed up. And, you know, Cranbourne Cup's... Um, got its place there hasn't it so interesting um well, you need to know all the details and, and the reasoning behind it and what it means to the other clubs and and uh, where they all fit in and and the programming etc so i think it's, it's good in principle to, to move a lot back but i suppose the thing with a lot of these moves just um thinking about it quickly is that um you know with the cup carnival never moving or unlikely to it makes everything difficult, doesn't it? Um, in an ideal world, we'd probably ship the whole spring back a little bit. Mm. But it's so entrenched as the first Tuesday in November, and it, it, it it's the sort of ending point in many respects, but it's also the starting point to where, you know, the rest of the carnival sits. So that's what makes it incredibly difficult for, for the people that have got to make those decisions. What's the story in Hong Kong with uh, changeability of things? I know you've got the big international meeting in uh, December, which has been around since the 80s, I reckon, from memory, and then you've got the the, the, the corresponding one in the autumn. Do, do they do much shuffling around in Hong Kong with, you know, races, race dates, feature races, loading up one meeting and taking away from the other? I know it's a simpler process up there because there's just simply less racing and less racetracks and all that sort of stuff, but how innovative is Winfred with, his, um, with the race dates and programming and so on? Yeah, well, I mean, they... The, the, they came in sort of more towards the late 90s and that's when they uh, they picked the end of this, you know, the December date because it was there was clean air there so that won't be moving and it fits in from a global point of view that I know it's the end of the season for the Northern Hemisphere but they can target the race and, and they usually know where they're going there was a period of time there where like three year old fillies from the Northern Hemisphere were regularly going and competing in the Cup and the Vars and would target that race to get that Group one win that they wanted for their for their page, um, so that won't be changing. The, the the meeting that's really blossomed probably more so in recent years is the one that sits at the end of April and early early May, and that is the you know the champions the QE2 Cup, and of course they had the chairman's prize um, around that time as well. So that that meeting sort of blossomed a little bit, but they don't change too much around. No, I mean the program is. Very similar each year. It's left to the handicapping department. They leave that to them. And, um, you know, there's just not much room to manoeuvre because through the government they get, you know, a certain amount of meetings a year. I think it's 88. You start at a certain date. You have to finish by a certain date. So there's not really much they can do. And the current format fits in pretty well. So there's the odd addition here and there. But the reality is there's nowhere near the amount of movement um, with race dates as there is here. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, our, our race dates have changed and names and everything so much, even since I've been back in eight years. And so when you're trying to correlate certain races as good lead-up events, etc., sometimes you have to go back and double-check that it wasn't at a completely different time of year. So there's a lot of movement here, isn't there?
Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of movement, when are you moving up back up to Hong Kong for the for the uh, for the big uh, international day? Yeah, really looking forward to it. I haven't been back, of course. I hadn't been back uh, post COVID, and I hadn't been a year or so pre COVID. So, uh, looking forward to heading back into town, catching up with everyone. I'm leaving on the Tuesday, Maddie, uh, prior to the international jockeys uh, championship, which is on the Wednesday, and uh, they've got some big names going over. I think uh, they've got Tom Marquand, who's the defending champion, with Holly and Ryan Moore and amongst others. And Rachel King, of course, going from Australia, which is fantastic, and she did so well in Japan. Um, so looking forward to that on the Wednesday and, uh, yeah, heading into the, to the weekend meeting. It's, a, it's always a great and I'm sure it will be again this year. Yeah, absolutely. Good on you, mate. Good luck with your selections tonight at Happy Valley as well. Now, they did give you a meal ticket there, didn't they, so you can grab a feed afterwards because I'm starting yeah. to worry about it. You know the old analogy of the bloke buried up to his head in sand uh, and, he's, and there's a glass of water just out of reach and he can't quite reach it? There's a table full of food, but I can't detach myself from my headphones. I'm just hoping <laughs> they don't throw it all out. So, no, it's a frustrating thing. It's a frustrating like, thing. Like me, you could probably do without a feed anyway, Matty. On that note, I might leave you. Yes, yes, on that horribly abusive note, you can leave me. Good on you, Hutchie. Thanks for that. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, that was the, the chubby Hutchie there. Uh,